0: Hello Kaylee community. Uh, Welcome to December 17th and today in our live worship service we are uh, having our children lead worship for us and so uh, if you're not able to be there because you're traveling or you are homebound or for some other reason maybe you just had a baby and you're in a hospital. (laughs) I know someone like that. Uh, Then we have this pre-recorded sermon that goes out so that you can still uh, have some spiritual food during the week. And today we're going to go into Luke chapter two and talk about good news. So I wonder if you'll think with me to a time when you got just unadulterated good news, good news without any condition, without any ifs, ands, or buts, just good news. I think about this week where Uh, One of our congregation families had a baby Uh, the baby was born. The baby is healthy. That's just good news. There's no contingencies. There's no what ifs. That's a little bit different than finding out you're pregnant, right? Because being pregnant is good news, except there's a lot of what ifs, right? There's a lot of worry. You've got to walk nine months in anxiety as you try to nurture this new life into being born. So being pregnant is its own kind of good news, but pure good news is when there's there's no what-ifs. The baby has been born and the baby's healthy. Good news, right? Or think back to good news maybe you got in the mail, which is pretty rare, right? <laughs> but maybe you've gotten good news in the mail like you get a check back from the IRS because you paid too much in taxes. That's just good news, right? You just have money you did not expect to have. Or a refund back from student loans because you overpaid, or college because you overpaid, right? You get that check in the mail, it's a done deal, no what-ifs, you've got the check, put it in the bank, right? Just plain old good news. I wonder if you can think about times in your life when you've received good news without any contingencies like that. It seems like so often the kind of good news that we receive does have the what ifs attached to it, right? Like getting pregnant, but having to worry and work through that nine months of keeping this baby healthy. In the same way, you might get some good news of, uh, oh, maybe there's an offer on your house, right? That's great news. If you're trying to sell your house, you want to have an offer. Maybe a contract goes on, but it's not a done deal, until contracts are signed money is in the bank right and so it's good news but it's kind of what if something happens to to mess it up right and it feels like so often so much of the good news that we get in the world is contingent upon other things happening so it's kind of sort of good news but what if it goes wrong In my opinion, that's kind of how the gospel has been presented to Christians for especially the past few hundred years in the United States. So often we're given this good news, but it's kind of a what if good news, like "Eh, it's good news, but only if this, this, and this happen, then it's good news. And I wonder if that's what our Bibles teach us about good news. You see good news is the word gospel in old English. So when you hear gospel, you're really just hearing the word good news or the words good news. And the reason that it's one word gospel is because in the original Greek it's one word, euangelion. Eu eu means good. Angelion is where we get angel from and that means message or messenger. And so good message or good news. One word in the Greek, one word when we say gospel, but when we're really scratching at what it is in English, it's those two words, good news. Now in our Bibles, we have four different books that we call gospels. In other words, four different good news accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You might be familiar with that a little bit, but it begs the question, what is the gospel? What in the world is good news? Good news. And the reason I ask this is honestly because, you know, we spend countless hours in classes and seminary asking ourselves this very question. There have been entire conferences of Christians gathered to ask, What is the gospel? And if you ask any Christian on the street what the gospel is, you'll probably get a hundred thousand different answers of what it is. What is the gospel? Now, this comes up today in our story because as we march toward Christmas, We're about to see Jesus born, and as this is happening, these angels appear to shepherds in the fields around Bethlehem. In Luke 2, starting in verse 8, it says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. That will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. That's the good news. Interesting, isn't it? We ask ourselves what good news is here We see that good news is tied to great joy. Today on December 17th, we light the joy candle in our own calendar version of Advent at Kaylee Community as we get ready for Christmas Eve. As we light the joy candle, we recognize that good news in our Bibles is tied to great joy. That first proclamation of good news is coming from a messenger of God, an angel, giving the you angelion, the, the good message, the good news. And that good news is of great joy. What is the gospel? Well, in this story here, the angel tells us that this good news is simply that uh, the Lord, the Savior of the world, has come, has been born. And it's important that we call our four books about Jesus' life Gospels, the Gospel according to Matthew, the Gospel according to Mark. Mark is an interesting gospel because it just opens up this way. It says, the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, plain and simple. So Mark is telling us right off the bat, and we think Mark is probably the first gospel ever written. Mark is saying, this is good news. I'm just going to give you good news. And then goes on to tell the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So what is the gospel? It's really pretty simple. We overcomplicate it in seminary. We overcomplicate it in our minds. But honestly, the gospel is just the life, death, and resurrection of this person named Jesus who lived in first century Palestine, who lived in poverty, who taught how to live according to the will of God. That's all the gospel is. It's good news about the life, death, and resurrection of a human being. A human being we call Jesus. That's all the good news is. I'll give you an example from 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul was writing 1 Corinthians actually before any of the gospel accounts were written down. So before Mark, before Matthew, before Luke, before John, Paul was writing letters to churches that he was planting. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we read this. Let me remind you, dear siblings, of the good news I preached to you before. Did you hear that? He's about to say what it is. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers. At one time, most of whom are still alive at the time of this letter being written, though some have passed away. Then he was seen by James, and later by the apostles, and last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I saw him too, for I am the least of all the apostles. So you see, Paul is tying into this idea of what the good news is. Paul is saying there's this phrase, good news, within 20 years of the resurrection of Jesus. So this happened very quickly. It's not something that developed over centuries this was something that was good news immediately because they recognized that the lord and savior came in human body came in flesh and did indeed die but then rose from the dead and this is seen as entirely good and wonderful news but the question we have to ask ourselves then is why why is this good news I mean, it's great to say that God comes in the flesh and lives a perfect life and teaches us how to live, dies on a cross and then rises from the dead to conquer sin and death. Why is that good news to you and me? I mean, it can be kind of hard to see, right? Because you're just living your life, right? You're, You're trying to do a job, trying to raise kids, trying to pay your bills. If you're lucky, save a little back for retirement when you're too old to work anymore. You're trying to do the right thing in the world. Try to be kind to people around you, even when it seems really hard because traffic is a mess and people are shopping around Christmas time and they're not very nice to one another and everybody's stressed because everybody's tight on cash this time of year. You're just trying to live your life. So why in the world is it good news that this guy came and lived 2,000 years ago and then died and apparently rose from the dead 2,000 years ago? Why does that matter to you and to me? Why is that important? You see, the angel told us that this good news should bring us great joy. As we've been walking through Advent, we can think about this great joy as a culmination of all the things we've talked about. We've talked about hope and peace and love, and now we land on joy. We remember that hope is looking back at God's promises that God has made as a way to hope that God will continue to keep God's promises in the future. We've looked at how peace is looking for God in the present moment, in the people around us, in the creation around us. We've talked about how love is that which flows out of us through our hope and peace that impacts other people's lives in positive ways this love that means that we love god but then that pours out of us in love for other people and now we land on joy and joy really at the end of the day should be the consequence of all of that activity if you're working really hard to remind yourself of god's promises and hope and trust in the future that they will be there. If you're working diligently to find God in the present moment, to look for the Christ in all things, if you're working diligently to love other people the way you think God loves you, then the natural result of all of that should be joy. But remember, joy is not happiness. Those are two different things, right? Happiness is very circumstantial. It's like the good news I was talking about earlier. You get a check in the mail because you paid too much in taxes. You get your refund check and it's just good news, right? It's very exciting, but it's like flash in the pan, right? You got that $2,000 for a minute and then it's gone. It's happiness. It's circumstantial. Had a little bit of money, had a good time with it or paid off some bills and then it was gone. That's not joy. That's happiness. It's the same when you watch a funny movie or you're laughing at a great comedian. It's the same even when you have those moments where your kids are really uh, behaving themselves and really enjoying themselves. Maybe on Christmas morning and you have that moment of happiness where you see them enjoying themselves, but that's not joy either because joy is this deep knowledge of, That all shall be well. There's a great uh, Christian mystic named Julia of Norwich, or sometimes called Julian of Norwich. I think maybe they changed the name to Julian because they couldn't handle that a woman wrote such an amazing thing. This is about 800 years ago, give or take. And this is the first woman to be published in the English language, Julia or Julian of Norwich in England. And Julian was on her deathbed, and she saw visions of Jesus on her deathbed. And when she survived this near-death experience, uh, she wrote all of this down. Sometimes it's called The Showings, if you want to look it up on Amazon or somewhere online and, and read it. It's really fascinating. Uh, Mirabai Star has a great translation of it. But Julian of Norwich writes, there's this moment in all of this chaos when she really believes she's going to die that Christ comes to her and says all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of thing shall be well and that's joy because though she was facing the end of her life and she was in pain and she was suffering she had this unbelievable depth of knowledge of God that filled her so that despite her circumstance she felt positive, she felt hopeful, she felt peaceful, she felt love, and all of that combines in ingredients to make this great thing called joy. Now, I'll tell you a story from my own life. I actually uh, went through a really deep depression after I divorced my first wife, and I had convinced myself that God could never forgive me uh, for being a divorced man. And so because I felt like God had turned God's back on me, I thought there's no way that I'll ever be uh, okay with God. I'm just going to hell in a handbasket, so why even try? And so I had uh, lots of uh, suicidal ideation and depression and and deep sadness and no joy at all, right? I'd have those moments of happiness, but no joy. No deep knowledge that God loved me. I just was convinced that God couldn't love me or forgive me anymore. And then it hit me one day, I was driving home from therapy, and I had a great therapist who helped me to kind of construct what I was thinking and help me understand where I was. And on the way home, I had this word come to mind. It had come from three different directions. I was listening to a podcast and my therapist had said it and I'd read it in scripture and it all came together. This word for me was the word path. And I'll tell you the whole story another time, but basically that word supernaturally healed me in the car on the way home from therapy one day and I was never the same. I never again struggled with the level of depression that I had before that moment. I was transformed by a deep peace and a deep joy. And some of that came out of my readings prior to this. You see, I was exploring prior to this moment, these different ways of looking at Christ. And I was reading Julian of Norwich. And she had this phrase, all shall be well and all shall be well and all manner of thing shall be well. So I still have all manner of thing. Got it tattooed on my arm there, right next to my compass and my ocean and my Ireland. <laughs> All manner of things shall be well. Deep peace, deep hope, deep love, leading to deep joy. So why does the good news matter? The good news matters because it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Everybody. Jesus came and lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose, and all of that is wonderful, but it's particularly wonderful because he did it for everybody. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says Christ died for all. Over and over again, in Romans chapter 5, it says Christ died for all. There's no exception here. The Christ has died and risen for all people at all times and all places, So even me, in my mistakes and poor choices, am forgiven and redeemed and renewed and given hope and eternal life in Christ. And even you, in all your mess and mistakes, anger, alcoholism, addiction, frustration, infidelity, whatever you might be struggling with, resentment, sadness, depression, whatever it might be. Christ died for all, and that includes me, and that includes you. And that's why it's good news. There's no ifs, ands, or buts attached to it. It's a done deal. It's over. It is literally history. It happened. So it's good news because it just is. There's nothing that you can do to change it. (laughs) There's no way to roll it back. It's not like a check you get in the mail that then uh, doesn't go through the bank. It's nothing like that. This is a check that's guaranteed to cash. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is for everybody, all places, all times. So as we celebrate this Christmas season and we think about good news as bringing great joy, it should bring great joy because it's unconditional. It's not earned. Uh, It's not anything that you can do or accomplish to receive it. It is just done. As Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. It is over. It is done. All you have to do is believe it. And when you believe it, you start to recognize and receive the hope, the peace, the love, and the joy that comes with this really good news. Amen? Amen.